Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 149 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, episodes 4 through 6, where Fusion Ha! A new character is representing his X-Men fandom, and we see what a stone looks like in a liquid form. Look, if you're looking for a stone in liquid form, look no further than... Uh... Hold on. I'm gonna think of one that's a liquid... Um... Concrete. I figured it out. Concrete. Let's jump in. so proud of you <laughs> yeah did it anyways hey everybody uh welcome back uh to the best full metal alchemist coverage podcast that there is <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah talking with some people on our discord it sounds like there are not a lot of full metal alchemist podcasts in uh a direct contrast to shows like naruto <laughs> so yeah we are cornering the market listen to us do not listen to anyone else if anybody tries to start a full metal alchemist brotherhood podcast i i don't know let's uh send agatha after them or something like that yeah yeah man there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really oh man there's a lot of really cool messages that we've gotten over our chat and it just makes me so happy um and uh there's a lot of really fun things that have happened on there um where people are just kind of like openly chatting about cool things that have been going on and i just i love it man yeah uh the coolest thing of the last i don't know 24 hours or so is uh, that they're talking about potentially making a watch party, like a weekly anime group watch, probably based off of what we're going to be watching for our upcoming recording uh, episode. Um, That didn't sound, those words didn't make sense in the order I put them in. Uh, Probably for whatever (laughs) we're going to be covering on the Friday of that week, Uh, just because, you know, if that makes sense, uh, it's an easy way to, to easily choose what they're going to be watching. So uh, I don't know if you haven't gotten on the discord, number one, it has grown a lot in the last, I don't know, month, maybe just a couple of weeks. There are quite a few new people in there that are super chatty. It is really like a, a constantly flowing conversation at this point. And mm-hmm. so if you're looking for that, if you're looking for an active community of people to talk about anime with, you should definitely hop onto our discord uh, and if you are interested in the idea of having a uh, watch party of people watching anime all at once over Discord, uh, like they'll, you know, you can put the anime on and then you can you can talk to people on Discord, um, I think, using using audio um, while you're watching the anime and having like a, a, a live, not quite in person, but very much live uh, watch party, then um, that is something that is being discussed right now on the Discord and uh, will have been being discussed for several days, I suspect, by the time you're able to hear this. So um, if that's the kind of thing that interests you, you, you should join up with that. There is no barrier to entry other than you finding the Discord information and then joining it. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say as well that there is there's a really, like, 
thriving and fun community that happens around like our our reddit and twitter as well so if you if like discord's not your thing come over there and you can like chat with us through here as well um uh, there's 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 a couple of fun things that blake marked down here um uh <laughs> there's a there's a character named oh, I, I call him uh, him or her a character um, but going by the name of Booty Stank. <laughs> Just chef's kiss, Booty Stank. Thank you. Also, I think Booty Stank said in the Discord today that they are a healthcare worker. So this is uh, extra bonus uh, chef's kiss for you, Booty Stank. Yeah. Um, by the way, the funniest the funniest thing that I've written in a couple of days uh, was responding to that, which was uh, they were like, um, yeah, breaks and poop breaks are my jam. And I said, poop breaks are my jam is the title of your first album by DJ Booty Stinks, produced by <laughs> Boo Boo Productions. <laughs> it's a good place. The Discord is a good place. Yeah, D- uh, Booty Stink, I wanted to call them out just because they said a nice thing on the Discord about binging our stuff. And I don't know, I'm, I don't know. Don't go onto our Discord and say you're binging our stuff, so I'll talk about you on the show. But... <laughs> It just caught me of them. They were talking about how much they were listening to it. It sounds like with, you know, now that they've been on the discord for a week or so, they, uh, part of that has to do with the fact that they are working in this job and they may have some time where they're, there's a little bit of downtime, but they can't like go watch TV or something like that. So it sounds like they've been listening to a lot of podcasts. So thank you for listening to Mm -hmm. our show. Super cool to uh, hear that somebody is binging the show and is so enthusiastic about it. I'm glad that we have been doing this long enough that they're, is the possibility of a binge. And uh, I don't know, I've been listening to some of our older stuff too. I think it's pretty decent. So uh, it makes yeah. it, make, it gives me a hearty chuckle hither and yore. So I hope you're enjoying it <laughs> uh, as well. Yeah. yeah. And tune in, tune in for more hither and your talk by Blake Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to hear a story about a bridge? <laughs> <laughs> so uh i also we got a an informal review on reddit in that somebody posted a, a nice comment on our most recent yu yu haku show episode when i posted that to the reddit page uh this came from uh correct underscore message underscore 7419 uh, they said the best podcast ever you guys are incredible which is a glowing review perhaps not completely accurate uh, I would love to be the best podcast ever. I'm not sure that we are, but you know, I'll take it. And uh, you know, yeah, that was we a- we got a good response back on our 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 Bungo Stray Dogs review as well, where somebody posted on there. They were like, "This is the first podcast where I've heard a actually good review of Bungo Stray Dogs," <laughs> and I was like, "Great, that is what I'm looking for because I love that show so much, and I'm glad that we could talk about something that's actually fun to talk about it." Um, and one of the things that came out of that too is a really interesting factoid. Um, so I drop inside of our Discord if you need another reason to join our Discord. Um, I drop anime fun facts. I try to do it every day, um, or is whenever I can remember to do it every day. Yeah, it's every um, once in a while, one, but they're fun. <laughs> yeah. So this one came from like one of one of the listeners, and it is a really interesting breakdown of some of the things that we discussed inside of the episode. Um, and it's something I had no idea about. Um, there's also, uh, if you're listening to this, obviously you're a fan of Full Metal Alchemist. Um, I also have posted a couple of really interesting ones about Full Metal Alchemist that I didn't know about until reading about it. Um, some of the stuff that's really cool is like the really in-depth breakdown that happens with the 
guns inside of the universe of Full Metal Alchemist, as well as uh, the basis of the characters of the Ishvalans, which are very important inside of the episodes that we're going to be covering today. Um, the last thing uh, before we jump into the episodes is that uh, is that Blake and I um, agree in this last sentiment, which is that Shaman King is coming out, you guys. Oh my I am god! So pumped I, um i have been pumped about this all week uh i, I forgot I, it was happening and then i was just yeah. dicking around on youtube while you were finishing up the whatever you were doing for work or, or or your your you know human life or whatever it was before we started recording and i saw the trailer and it looks so good i'm so excited yeah, yeah i'm so pumped too i uh, if you're not somebody who has followed uh, followed Shaman King before, the manga is fantastic. Uh, the original Four Kids, uh, I think it's Four Kids. It might have been that Funimation, right. um, but oh, no. they uh, they produced an original Shaman King that used to be on um, on Fox Kids mm. on Saturday mornings. Love that. Um, if if that is something rich from your childhood that you really enjoyed, um, you're not alone. I used to love it too. Um, it is also a show for people that if you're like, man, I wish the entire show was a tournament arc. This show is for you. Yeah. Um, because that's basically all that happens inside of this. Because it, I think the premise is that like you, if you win this giant tournament that's happening, you become the shaman king. Yeah. Um, yeah, and now I have the old like music stuck in my head because it was just like, shaman king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shaman King is a uh, a show that I only caught a few episodes of because I don't know it came out at the wrong time in my life to be able to watch it consistently. But I it was one of the main ongoing series in the print edition of Shonen Jump that I used to receive every month, and it was one of my favorite series to read. It just uh, ticks a lot of my boxes. It's very shonen-y. And I am well documented as being shown in trash. So I love that. It has cool spiritual stuff. I tend to respond really well to that. It's just, it's a lot of stuff that Blake likes in anime. And uh, I enjoyed watching the few episodes I watched. I read a bunch of it. Um, they didn't ever finish it in the print edition. And they included a time skip. So I missed some of the middle. And I don't know how it ends. <laughs> And uh, mm. the thing about Shaman King is it is kind of similar to, I think we talked uh, some time ago when we did a crossover episode on Blood, The Last Vampire. There is a show that is also sort of based on Blood, The Last Vampire called Blood Plus. And I have very fond memories of watching Blood Plus, uh, similarly to how I have very fond memories of reading Shaman King. And uh, Blood Plus and Shaman King are both victims of a rights dispute or something. I don't have all the details in front of me, but basically um, the rights, I know for Blood Plus, at least the rights are split between two different sort of distribution companies. And because the rights are split and distribution companies are, you know, victims of their own capitalistic greed, uh, because bo they both have it, nobody can have it. And the result of that is that it is not really possible to find Blood Plus legally. Uh, the same thing's kind of true for Shaman King. Even though it was published by Shonen Jump, some other company bought like the distribution rights to the English version of Shaman King. So you can't read it in English in an official legal capacity, uh, even though you used to be able to. 
Uh, I believe the yeah, same thing is true for the. Huh? It's very frustrating. It is extremely frustrating. The first, I think the same thing is true for the anime. It is really hard to find them unless you are uh, looking to sail the seas. So uh, this new anime is really exciting news. Hopefully the uh, anime release will spur whoever has the ability to uh, legally distribute the English manga to do so. I hate it when cool things are in rights jail. I just, I'm not getting on my soapbox, but I do generally hate the effect that capitalism has. Hold on. We got to hide the soapbox away from Blake (laughs) so that he doesn't stand up on it. I just hate Um, the effect that capitalism has on art because it is now behind his apple cart. (laughs) Art is made to be seen or experienced or whatever, you know, is appropriate for the art and the people who are making the art, you know, obviously exceptions will apply, but generally speaking, somebody who is making the art because they, they want to make the art wants to share it with people. And, uh, they problem is that art has to be funded and the people who are funding the art are companies who want to make money off of it. And so sometimes the art doesn't get to be made or it doesn't get the resources that it really needs to be made properly because people don't want to fund it because the people that have the money don't really care about the art all the time. Sometimes they do, but not all the time. They really care about the dollar signs that the art makes them see. And uh, when they're not seeing the dollar signs that they want or the number of dollar signs they think they're entitled to, they will put the art in jail. And then the people who want to see the art can't see it legally. And it's just not a great system and it's annoying. And Shaman King is a victim of it. And this New net not a sponsor anime is an exciting uh, salve to that stupid fucking burn. Yeah. Anyways, um, all of that being said, uh, we have some great Full Metal Alchemist coverage coming on this week um, with uh, three of the saddest episodes of Full Metal Alchemist you could shake a stick at. Um, but before that, we have to hear what happened previously on Full Metal Alchemist. So, Blake, if you can give us a breakdown of what happened in the first three episodes. Well, in the first three episodes of Full Metal Alchemist, we met our main characters. That's Edward Elric and Alphonse Elric. They are brothers. Edward is a little bit older. And uh, he's, I don't know, what is he, like somewhere between 12 to 15. And he's in that age range, but like shonen anime age range where you're kind of like, I don't know, but he seems to know what he's doing. Yeah. So he's somewhere uh, Ed, around there. Ed is specifically 15, and Alphonse is specifically 14. They mentioned in these episodes. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, they're young. They are young enough to be something of a prodigy, because in the world that they live in, there is this thing called alchemy. And in our world, there is also a thing called alchemy. And their version is the super magic fantasy version of our version. So alchemy can take one thing and turn it into another thing. Um, and in our world, it is pretend, and in their world, it is super real, and you can do all kinds of cool stuff with it, and it lets you be an anime character with anime powers. Ed is particularly gifted in this uh, because Ed now grew up with an uh, absent father who left behind a lot of notes about the alchemy that he had done, and they were obsessed with it as kids, and they learned a lot about it. Um, They also made a big mistake with it because their mom died from becoming sick, and they decided to try to bring her back to life. And the thing about alchemy is that it can do all kinds of things. But one thing that you're really not supposed to do with it is try to bring people back to life. It is, uh, I believe, the one taboo of alchemy. 
But they, being upstart kids, were like, "Mm, it seems more like a guideline. And so they tried to bring her back to life. It went horribly wrong. The result was that they, uh, they lost Al's entire body. His whole human body just was gone. And Ed lost either an arm or a leg. And then he had to spend the other one to get Al's soul back. Uh, He attached Al's soul to a big suit of armor. So now Al is a disembodied soul controlling a giant suit of armor. Ed has a prosthetic metal arm and a prosthetic metal leg. And they have learned the error of their ways. They do not want to make a human come alive again. They would love for other people to stop trying to do that too. And they would like to spend all of their energies trying to get their bodies back to the way they were before they made this big mistake. One way they want to try to do that is by getting something called a Philosopher's Stone, which uh, if you don't know from the Alchemist, you may know from Harry Potter, also known in the West as the Sorcerer's Stone, because I don't know. But uh, the Philosopher's Stone is a super powerful alchemical artifact. Some people don't believe that it exists, but Ed and Al are not those people. They want to find out some more information about what it is, how you can get it, how you can make it, etc., because... The Philosopher's Stone allows you to fudge the numbers on the big rule of alchemy, which is that if you want to make something, you have to give up something of equal value. This is the law of equivalent exchange. The Philosopher's Stone is able to kind of bypass those laws. And so in order for them to do something really major with some, uh, you know, really messed up, if you think about it too hard, equivalent exchange requirements, such as getting a body back from the void and returning someone their regular old arm and leg, you might need something that's allowed to break the rules, like a Philosopher's Stone. So they're on the hunt for that. Uh, They had some run-ins with what turned out to be a fake Philosopher's Stone in our last meeting, and that was partly in their duties as state alchemists. Um, I don't actually think Al is a state alchemist. I think it's just Ed. And I think Al just hangs out with them because they're brothers. Uh, but uh, the the military state, loosely based on uh, sort of pre-war era uh, Germany, is um, employing all kinds of alchemists to use as soldiers, as we will discover in this episode. But also, when you're, you know, not actively engaged in war, you're just kind of... Uh, state-sanctioned anime researcher. And so Ed is using the military door-opening powers to allow him access to potential research that will potentially let him figure out how to find or make a Philosopher's Stone so that they can fix their big bad mistake. Um, In the course of these events, sometimes they run into a guy named Colonel Mustang who is uh, a higher rank than them and is a, a generally cool dude and uh, will show up in these episodes in an important way. There's also, uh, who did I forget to write down here? Um, uh, Armstrong? Yeah, Armstrong. He also outranks them, is also a state alchemist. He'll show up. He's hilarious. Uh, You know, I don't know. You don't need to know too much about them. You just need to know that they've shown up before. And uh, I think that that gives us everything that's going to pick us up here in episode four. Um, And I, I, yeah, I think that's it. 
All right. So episode four is called An Alchemist's Anguish. Um, <coughs> this episode uh, gives us our introduction to, um, I would say, the best villain inside of the show. Um, and I would say this because he is a very complex villain, and he's also one of those villains that has that thing that makes a really good villain, which is, if you are taking a look from his perspective, he is doing the right thing. He is not doing it just to be evil. He is doing it because he believes that he is fulfilling a cause that is just and right in the world. Yeah, you, And that you is might, a character named Scar. You might not agree that what he's doing is the right thing, but you can understand why he thinks it is. And yeah. you could also say, if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up doing the same things. And exactly. That's, that's a good villain for you. That's a, a good writing trick out there for all you aspiring writers. Yeah. So he attacks and murders a fantastically cool um, uh, alchemist named Brigadier General Basque-Grand. Uh, and I think he's called the Iron Blood Alchemist is what I believe his name is. Yeah. Um, and... He has a cool ability where he just can turn stones around him into iron and then also turn them into, like, big guns that he can shoot. Um, and he also uses it to create a big box around Scar that he was like, well, that was easier than I thought to capture him. Not knowing that Scar has an ability with one of his arms, which is that he can uh, displace alchemists uh abilities or uh, i think it's any sort of uh matter um and the way that they do that it's explained in a different episode that's going to be i think it's episode two um but i'll explain it here so with alchemy there is three steps to the alchemy process there is the breaking down there is the oh sorry there is the um, the understanding, the breaking down, and the reassembly of the um, the thing into its new form. Scar doesn't do the reassembly. What he does is he breaks apart things with his arm. Um, and uh, just by touching it, he starts the alchemic process, and it just will break it down. And the really creepy way that he does this when he kills people is he usually grabs them by the face and then uses his ability of his arm, and their body is broken down from the inside out. And so they will just spurt blood from all over their body and then die. It is... Yeah horrible hemorrhaging to death it's also and cool it he has disintegrator hands basically uh or or destroy destroyer hands kind of like um what's his face from my hero academia uh, hand singular hand, handy more <laughs> handyman from my hero academia he has the same power uh sort of you know more or less don't at me um but uh what i like about it is is kind of how it solidifies the magic system of alchemy as something that feels realistic and believable, even though it's doing all these crazy fantastical things. And it's just like, all you have to do, it's just chemistry, right? All you have to do is understand the sort of chemical makeup of a thing. And then the, the process of alchemy is you using the sort of nebulous magic of alchemy in this universe to transform the chemical makeup of that thing into another chemical makeup or another shape or whatever. And, and obviously there are limitations often extending from the equivalent exchange 
prospect, but the fact that Scar's ability isn't he breaks things down. It is he uses the alchemical process and just stops at step two, and the result is that things break down. It's just that little extra bit of detail that is something you can find in a lot of anime. We talked about the way that anime often comes up with powers that have extra (laughs) steps or extra caveats or bank shot versions of, you know, the more common sort of sweeping powers you might find in American superhero comics. And that's one thing that we really like, but it's also something about this series that's really great is that there's a lot of thought put into the sort of underlying mechanics of everything. And it it makes the world feel really rich and lived in. It's something that you can understand and believe in. And I I love that. I think this, God, I had so much fun watching these episodes. This is such a good series. Yeah. And it's also going to be one of the most horrific episodes in the entire series. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that is because of the next characters we're going to meet. So unbeknownst to Ed and Al, this Scar character is running around killing state alchemists. And Mustang is going to send Ed and Al to Shao Tucker. Um, He is sending them to Shao Tucker because Shao Tucker is called the Sewing Life Alchemist. Two years ago, he created a chimera that could understand human speech. And it's said one thing the one thing that it said was kill me um and uh because of that um he is registered as a incredibly good alchemist um at creating uh uh, biochemical things and because of that um uh ed and al are like we're gonna be able to learn some additional information from you He also has a cute dog named Alexander and a cute little daughter named Nina and don't get attached. (laughs) Uh, Not that you will be able to resist it because uh, the show is very good at manipulating you. Although I will say one thing that I would like to have taken the time to do is to watch the original anime's version of this episode. Uh, something I brought up a lot in our last Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood coverage that's going to keep coming up until we're out of these earlier episodes is that in a lot of ways, I think the original anime does these early stories better. And in my memory, years ago, when I first watched this episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I remember thinking that it was done better in the original anime. And I don't know if that's true, if I just am remembering it that way, but I haven't compared them. So I'm kind of opening this up as a, as a discussion point. I would love to hear from you guys. I know I've heard from some people that agree with me that the earlier episodes of the original Full Metal Alchemist anime are done better uh, than the earlier episodes of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, at least the ones that cover the same story beats. Uh, the reason for that being that the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood team did not seem to want to spend too much time retreading territory that had been trod. And so they skipped over things or told the stories faster. I don't know if that's true with this one. I'm kind of curious. I did not have an opportunity to rewatch the episode from the original series. So I'm curious if you do or if you have a strong opinion on that. I, w- I would really like to hear from you. That said, yeah. this episode is still very effective. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, after a uh, brief time of finding out that Nina and Alexander are becoming best friends with Ed and Al um, and starting to call Ed and Al older brothers, um, they uh, grow very attached and also uh, start to notice that Shao Tucker um, is uh, sort of unraveling a bit at the seams. Yeah. Um, it seems that two years ago he was able to keep his state alchemy, or sorry, get his state alchemy alchemy license um, and become a state alchemist because of his ability to create that chimera that could understand human speech. Yeah, because chimeras don't understand human speech. I don't know that we made that clear, but that is unique to this dude. Yeah. And uh, it it also uh, bears mentioning that his wife disappeared two years ago to go live with her family upstate in a farm. That's a coincidence, Um, right? She's yeah, she's playing in a field, and uh, she's with all of those dogs that people uh, that your parents told are you are on the upstate farm. Oh my god! Um, yeah, um, yeah. You also, can put two and two together, unless you've never seen this show and you're just like absorbed in it. You're going to be like, wait a minute, those are the same numbers. Yeah. And yeah, if you and, figure that out, or if you know what's happening, they have this little silhouette shot of the original Chimera, and it is so upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really upsetting. Um, But not the most upsetting thing of this episode. Here we go. That's correct. Um, So the other thing that is going to happen that's very upsetting is that Tucker is reminded that he is about to be uh, interviewed again for his state alchemy license. And so he needs to show his research um, when they come back. Because of this pressure, and because he has admitted that he cannot go back to the life that he was living beforehand of basically complete abject poverty um, and not knowing what to do with his life, um, he is going to make a Hail Mary, and that is uh, to transform Nina and their family dog, Alexander, into another chimera. Um, that is a second taboo, um, that we didn't mention, um, which is that you do not, um, change over human bodies and animal bodies into a chimera, um, because it can, uh, fundamentally alter them in a way that cannot be reversed. Um, we find out that uh, he has done this in a scene uh, where Ed completely figures it out very quickly because he notices that Nina um, and Alexander are nowhere to be found. And um, also the chimera of Nina and Alexander um, it calls them older brother when it starts speaking. Um, it is a horrifying moment. The way um, that they he... do the voice is just... Ugh. It's really, really upsetting. Whoever, and I I don't know if that's the same person from both anime adaptations, but I remember it having the same kind of effect in the original one too, where it's just like when the Chimera speaks, you feel that this is an entity for whom just the act of existing is painful. There Mm -hmm. is, there is a sort of like hurt quality to the, the speech and the way that the chimera is shown like sitting it just looks like something it doesn't look like a creature that has been created successfully it looks like something like the original one you know the only thing it asked for was to be killed like that is the situation Mm -hmm. and i suspect that that would be the same situation here if the human component were something older 
like you know than a an unformed child's brain that is mm-hmm. you know grasping at different straws with the the shreds of humanity remaining to it and it is just yeah. stomach turning yeah um ed has the same response as this um except for he lashes out in anger um, and he does something that most people agree, and uh, as someone who has a small child that he loves very much, I would probably do the same thing, which is almost beat him to death. And the only reason that uh, he is able to be stopped is because Alphonse is able to get him to snap back to reality. Um, Oop, and, there goes gravity. Uh, yeah, and it is... It is brutal, and it is one of the reasons that this show, it really transcends a lot of other anime. Um, It is a show that can affect you viscerally. Um, It is also a fantastic action and uh, sci-fi and steampunk and fantasy anime. Um, It really checks a lot of boxes. And the last one that it checks, which is really, really important, is that the humanitarian aspect of this anime is really, really in place. You understand the way that Ed and Al see the world from a very altruistic way, um, and as as well as seeing them through a world of like hurt and pain and real human connection. the The writing of this show is masterful. And it is also one of those anime that if it was adapted into a television show, um, like a live action television show instead of an anime medium, um, it would have already garnered like massive attention in the way that somebody would have had like a, you know, like a Game of Thrones or something like that. Yeah, it is really definitely good enough. Whole cloth. I, I was absolutely thinking that too and have thought it before in the past where it's just like, you know, we as anime fans so often, you know, not everybody, of course, but so many people, when they love a thing, they want to see it adapted into every version it can be. And uh, I I think that Fullmetal Alchemist would make an excellent uh, live action adaptation. And I know there was one that was not well received, but, you know, uh, I think that uh, it really, really, really is a great candidate for a show. Uh, you could run it for a couple of seasons and probably it would be quite successful, obviously with the caveats that, you know, so many things can go wrong. So many things cannot work. Uh, you know, you definitely want the right people. And we're kind of, I don't know, waiting with bated breath on that as in regards to Cowboy Bebop, which is another one that it's another show that's really, uh, really well poised to make a good live action adaptation uh, because the, the stories are grounded in a way that would translate well to live action. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I think I keep watching that, but you know what? I think another thing that really stands out for full metal alchemists in that it's as a series, as a whole, it has going for it in its favor is that the themes and the stories that it's dealing with are really, complex it's always Mm -hmm. it's always coming from a place not necessarily always from of moral gray area because like turning your daughter into a fusion with your dog that is you know basically killing her is not a gray area but the the sort of like 
part that that plays in the larger narrative of what alchemy is to this world and what people can, will, or should do with it is a, a sort of ongoing discussion that this this contributes to and that I think the show just handles so, so well, among other interesting subjects that will come up, you know, over time. And it's mm-hmm. just, it deals with that. It deals with political intrigue. It really is. I think Game of Thrones is actually a really good uh, example where you're, you have these, these interesting characters dealing with heavy subjects in a, in a sort of like twisting uncertain landscape that feels intriguing and interesting and, and adults in a way that's really mm-hmm. great. And that, you know, for how much I love all these other anime is not something that you always get to that degree in most anime They you know, they're usually treading in slightly simpler territory, even when they're doing stuff that's dark or adult or whatever. But I think full metal alchemist really takes that the next level and, and just creates this like full bodied experience. Yeah. Um, if you were wondering, uh, if you were going to start to root for Scar at any point, uh, <laughs> get, be prepared because, um, Tucker is arrested for his acts. Um, while he is arrested, um, he is visited by Scar, um, who kills him almost immediately. And then right afterwards, he, um, notices that this, um, this chimera is basically looking and begging for death. Um, and he's just like, um, I, I'm at peace with this because I understand that you are in pain um, and that you can't go back to the way that you are. And so he basically puts down um, the Nina Alexander chimera in a heart-wrenching moment, but also a moment that it, it's sort of like, um, you know, it feels just and correct to do for, at least from his opinion. Um, then, uh, that leads into episode five, Reign of Sorrows. Um, Reign of Sorrows is going to pick up with, uh, a flashback to Lior, um, where Lust and Gluttony, two of, um, I don't think that they have been explained what they are yet, so yeah, I will not. Two villains. Um, they are uh, dressed in black, and they have tattoos of a snake eating itself. Um, and uh, that that's Lust and Gluttony. Those are our names. Um, and then there is also Father Cornello. And if you see Father Cornello, you're like, oh, wait, didn't you die? Um, didn't Lust kill you in, like, a previous episode? Um, and it turns out that Father Cornello is actually Envy. Envy is another one of these villains. Uh, Envy seems to have the ability to change shape at will. Um, Lust seems to have the ability to shoot her fingers out like big spiky spikes. Um, And Gluttony seems to be big and strong and have the ability to eat anything. Um, We find out that as well um, inside of this episode when somebody finds out and sees Father Conello switch over. And they have like this great villain moment where they're just like... They're talking about things and not paying attention to the person paying attention to them. And he's just like, oh, my God, what happened? And they're like, oh, dang it. And they just kill him. Yeah. (laughs) These are our villain plans. And he's like, I overheard that and am shocked. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's also, I don't remember if this is exactly where it is. We're going to be switching to our our main heroes here in a second. Uh, Here's me talking about the original anime again. Uh, There's a couple of stories from the manga that get adapted there that don't get adapted here. One of them is about a dude 
who is trying to have this, I don't know, he he's like taken over this town and he wants a lot of gold and it's a good story. I'm not going to go into it here uh, on the off chance that we cover it at some point in the future. They very, they make a very glancing reference to it that if you don't know the manga or the original anime, you, you would probably think that it is just some dialogue to get us into the scene, but it's actually a reference to that storyline. They don't cover it in Brotherhood and I, it makes me sad. It's not hugely important, but I thought it was real good. Um, so I think it's episode nine from the original anime. And I remember that because I loved it so, so much. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we're going to go back to Ed and Al. Uh, they are talking with Mustang about what happened, uh, to Tucker. Um, and it turns out that they find out about Scar. Um, and they are living in a very, very upset Mm, uh, they're just like so broken about what's happening here. Yeah, they, um, they find out they, specifically that Scar killed Mina and Alexander, the the fusion chimera. Which, like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like they're upset because they were killed, but also like there was like that that was sort of what what needed to happen. Like they were kind of in a way already dead because their their existence and their their sort of like i don't know personhood as it were had been taken from them and they had been forced into this situation where they were like miserable and in pain that's i don't know it was it's kind of it kind of makes me think about like when you have a pet and they're kind of at the end of their life and you have to make that terrible decision to end their life and then you you kind of have those two stages of grief where you like realize that this is coming and then when it actually happens you're sad about it again and it, it kind of makes me think of that where it's like they knew that this was a hopeless situation and that there was really no fixing it and yet the fact that then somebody kind of did the inevitable uh and that that killed them even though they probably would have died on their own because of the the pain of their own existence it just hits you know it's like that terrible thing that you know is probably going to happen becoming a thing that has now happened and you sort of Mm -hmm. re being re-traumatized over it yeah but they're not going to get a chance to fully experience their shame and chat and frustration inside of the rain um, because they are going to be attacked by Scar. Um, Scar is going to, for the first time in Al's career, as well as Ed's career, they are going to be completely bested by someone. Scar is not only a very, very accomplished and strong fighter, he also has that ability uh, to break down things, and he has a masterful uh, way that he uses it. Um, He is very, very fast, almost superhumanly fast. Um, He uh, he chases after Ed and Al, who are running away using alchemy, um, until uh, Ed... Uh, is going to try to trap him. Um, he is going to break out. Um, and he is going to use his alchemy uh, ability first on Alphonse to break most of the right side of his body, and then he's going to use it on Ed to destroy his right auto male arm. 
Um, and right before, uh, he, right before he is able to strike a blow on Ed, um, Ed makes the decision that if he is going to die, he's going to accept it. And the only thing that he's going to do is he's going to tell him, like, if you're going to kill me, I'm the only state alchemist here. Just don't kill my brother. Um, right before he is able to be put down, though, um, he is attacked by a group of uh, military that we know full well. One of them is Mustang, uh, one of them is Hawkeye, um, and one of them is uh, Lieutenant Armstrong. Um, and Armstrong is going to have a great, great, quick fight with Scar. Um they're going to trade a couple of blows back and forth. There's also going to be a moment where Scar thinks that he has seen the opening inside of Armstrong's movement, and he is going to try to strike him uh, as he makes a swing. Armstrong then realizes this in the middle of it, uh, almost like superhumanly fast. He's able to move backwards um, and uh, dodge the attack, and right before um, Scar is able to um, strike him, he is then shot at by Hawkeye, uh, grazing his face, knocking off his glasses, and revealing something very important, which is that he has blood red eyes, and that means that he he's is an Ishwalan. <laughs> no, he's just fallen. <laughs> so, anyways, so Ishvalans um, are very, very important to the next big thing that we haven't talked about inside of um, inside of Full Metal Alchemist, and one of the reasons that the show is additionally good, which is that the war that happened before um, our current events is something that is going to shape their reality in a way that is very, very true to the way that war shapes reality um, for for people that are affected by it. There is a there's a lot of talk in like something like Naruto where they're talking about the Great Ninja War and the last time the Great Ninja War happened, right? And they talk about it in the past. We are experiencing the Ishvalan Civil War years after it happened, not way in the past. Just like I think it's within fifteen years of it happening, um, so it's 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 very very recent in people's memories. The people who fought in the war are still young enough to um, to ex be working inside of their field still, and we are going to find out that this Ishvalan civil war was basically a genocide um, that that was com uh, that was. Uh, done from state alchemists on these people that didn't have the ability of alchemy to protect themselves. And so these state alchemists came in and just slaughtered Ishvalans to the point where they were almost wiped off the map. Yeah, and this is a good point of the moral grayness of this series too, because um, some of the state alchemists that participated in this are heroes in this series. Like, I believe Colonel Mustang and uh, Major Armstrong were both involved in this because it wasn't that long ago. And um, it it's really interesting because this is, this is a genocide and it is a completely unjust war and there are war crimes committed. Uh, even the fact that it happened is probably a war crime. And it, it's just this horrible kind of ethnic cleansing. And, um, and it's, 
the, like the fact that there are characters who are likable and who are heroes that were involved in this is part of the kind of the complexity of the series because there there are people who would be able to argue that no matter what they're doing now to have done something so heinous would be kind of an unforgivable you know uh i don't know barrier to have crossed um and i think yeah. that that is an argument that that can be made but on the other hand i think the the sort of exploration that the show is making is you know what happens when you are a member of a military who has orders and you are, you know, you're being placed between your duty versus your value, you know, your values, or perhaps, you know, could it be that, you know, you either do this to them or, or we will do it to you or, you know, I don't know. There's so many corollaries to the real world and, and as somebody who is relatively pacifist and, and um, pretty strongly like anti-war and anti-violence and stuff like that, it's definitely something that I have thought about in my own life where it's like, you know, what if you know somebody who went to war and that person potentially has, you know, killed other people in a war that you might find unjust or in a way that, you know, if they were given a chance to think about it before and after, they may not have proceeded in the you know the motions that they ended up going through and it's just like this is a complicated issue and sometimes there are no good answers and no good outcomes and obviously that's not me saying like yeah the military did this genocide and that uh, that was kind of gray like that's not but like the fact that some of these characters were sort of conscripted into it is a really dark interesting complicated discussion that the show is kind of weaving into its own narrative in a way that's Mm -hmm. fascinating. And what you see, one of the ways that these heroes are able to be heroes is that you see that there is a shame there, that they either felt that there was no way for them to not do this because of their life circumstances at the time, or they have realized in, in the aftermath of it, that this is something that they don't think they should have been a part of or that should have happened and that they feel ashamed of it. And that it's so interesting. And we're going to, there's going to be increasing and deeper explorations of these topics as we continue to cover the show. Yeah. So um, Scar is going to use his ability to escape through the sewers. Um, He does this by slamming his fist into the ground and it creating a gigantic explosion and everything falls out from underneath him. Um, Ed and Al, um, they realize that they are completely broken. Um, and so they are going to head back, uh, to our, our favorite auto mail plant, uh, or not auto mail plant, but shop, um, in Resimble, um, to reassemble themselves. And that takes us to episode six, Road of Hope. Um, this episode, uh, we, Armstrong is going to go with the boys, um, and there's going to be a brief, brief moment where they stop inside of a town, um, in one of their side quests. Um, and that is to see Tim Marco, um, the crystal alchemist. Well, that, uh, and to we accidentally find out- see Tim Marco by complete chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. They accidentally knock into him. 
So Marco is a stead alchemist and doctor um, who fought in the Ishvalan War, um, and he is so upset about everything that he did inside of the war that he is sworn off of being a state alchemist, and he is now using his findings of a imperfect philosopher's stone in order to heal people no matter what. Yeah, he, um, they don't, and I don't this, think they use the term deserter, but that's what he is. He. He yeah. has, uh, he has, um, you know, left left his post in the military because of the shame of what happened in Ishval, and has ba- basically gone into hiding. And in fact, when Al mm-hmm. and Armstrong, and I guess Ed, uh, sorry, when when Ed and Armstrong, and then you know Al, kind of along for the ride, uh, first confront Marco, he thinks that they, as state alchemists have found him and are there to either arrest him or kill him as a deserter. Uh, but they are not. And uh, part of that yeah. comes from Armstrong understanding where Marco is coming from and feeling compassion toward him and, and promising ultimately to keep the, to keep his location secret. Yeah. The last two things that are going to happen with Marco are as follows. The first one is going to uh, be that they find out that um, they probably shouldn't be chasing the Philosopher's Stone because they told, they're told they told by Marco that it is a fool's errand uh, that will cause you nothing but destruction and hate. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, it's fine, actually. All of my uh, research is hidden inside of this, uh, this library. Go find it there. And then as they're leaving, um, Marco's like, please don't, uh, please don't turn me in, but do what you have to do. Um, and then as they're leaving, um, Ed is just like, are you going to have to tell on him, Armstrong? And Armstrong is like, what are you talking about? We met a doctor that I didn't know before today. And I was just like, nah, that's a cool thing. Yeah, Armstrong's um, a bro. Yeah. Okay. That takes us to um, Resin Bowl, where they meet with Winry and Pinaco. Um, Pinaco is a very tiny old woman um, who makes fun of Ed's uh, height, and it is hilarious. Um, Winry is the very obvious childhood love interest of Edward. Um, she loves him so much. Um, she loves Al in what seems like a brotherly way, yeah. um, brother and sisterly way, One whereas thing- she seems to be enamored with Ed. And Ed, um, in his teenage angsty ways is obviously in love with her too yeah one thing i really appreciate here is that um so often the the love interest uh female character in a a sort of action anime with a male protagonist is drawn overly cute overly pretty overly sexualized some combination of these and winry isn't she is super cute very pretty and wearing a very revealing like midriff shirt and it is just it's just it's kind of not commented on if you will like so many anime just can't help themselves but draw attention to how cute or how hot or how sexy or how scandalous the you know the view i'm getting or whatever it's it's one of those tropes that can make watching anime a little tough to swallow you know, we, we've talked often on the show about things that we just kind of like grit our teeth and wait until it's over. And that can be some of the humor and a lot of the like fan servicey stuff that just does not work for us as, as viewers. And that can be a real barrier to entry 
for people who haven't watched anime before because it, it kind of creeps them out, you know? And I think Full Metal mm. Alchemist, I, I don't know that it's completely innocent of these things, but I was really struck by how Winry is not, she's not presented as a love interest, even though she's clearly the love interest. And she's not presented yeah. as being the beautiful girl or the cute girl, even though she's both. She just is. Yeah, she's just awesome mechanic girl. She's just she a character who happens to also be attractive. And she's just a character who happens to also have a love interest. And you don't see that as much as you'd like. I'm, I, you know, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here by saying that part of the reason that's true is probably the fact that this is an anime written by a woman. <laughs> and she understood that her female characters were people too and people first. And I just love that. You know, something else that yeah. I noticed that I love is that the grandma character, uh, Pinako, is this squat little cartoon character. She is much a, a lot more stylized and looks a lot less like a realistic drawing of a character done in anime style and a lot more like a sort of cartoony anime character. And then she has this super deep, intense conversation with Armstrong, who is also a mm-hmm. big goofball. And my God, that conversation was like moving and emotional. And I was just mm-hmm. sitting there watching it like this is a goofy fucking unrealistic looking character talking to this big ham who we've already figured out is largely comedic relief. And they are having this completely unfunny, completely like straight laced, straight faced, serious conversation. And it works so well. And it is just a testament to the wonderful writing of this series. Yeah. There is also, um, a, uh, there is a meme moment from this episode, uh, that people have talking about. Speaking of which, um, speaking of, uh, people not being drawn for like fan service's sake, there is a beautiful wake up Edward meme inside of this episode, <laughs> um, where, where Edward has his hair down sleeping on a pillow. His and luxurious like, locks. Yeah, and people have memed that a bunch of times where they're just like, why can't I wake up looking that beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> um, the intense in a conversation that happens between Armstrong and Pinaco, though, is um, the story of uh, Edward going to see his mother's grave and the house that he grew up in. And the house that he grew up in was burned to the ground by Ed and Al so that they would have no, uh, no, re- no way... To no nothing to come back to is yeah. what I'm trying to say. They, they were um, trying to get st- rid of the anchor that held them to this place so that they would be able to move Correct. on with their goals. Yeah, and so he, it, you follow with Ed as they talk, and you visit his, this grave site, and you also visit this burned down husk of a building, um, and you watch as Ed is feeling very, very deeply before um, you finally find out that they um, have finished the auto mail. They reattach it to Ed, and then right before they leave, uh, Winry's just like, "Hey, don't forget to come back to us," um, and they are then on their way. Um, Edward back in form, Alphonse being returned to normal by Ed, um, and, uh, you know, uh, Armstrong just realizing that he has learned much, much more about these, these boys that he's traveling with. Yeah. Um, we've learned how, 
how much trauma they've gone through and how committed they are to what they're trying to do. And I think that leads him to a lot of respect, but also a lot of compassion for what they've gone through as such young kids. Um, we mm-hmm. also learn that Winry's family is dead. Uh, Pinaco, I think, is her biological grandmother, but uh, Winry's parents were killed in the Ashvalan Civil War, uh, working as um, doctors, uh, healing people from both sides, and they were killed. I don't think it tells us how they were killed. I do think we find that out later. Um, and yeah, that, that moment with Winry at the end when she's like, come back to us, you can see that there is that spark of romantic interest between her and ed but at the same time there's a familial quality to it and it just it works so well they've grown up together there's that 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 aspect of you know some some people this is a story we all know some people have experienced it but it's also a story we've seen where you know people grew up together and they know each other so well and they also kind of have had a crush on each other since a young age. And even though they're also, you know, in a way siblings because they grew up so close to each other. Um, And and there's that where you, you're like, these are two characters that, that are romantically interested in each other. And I think, you know, I would be interested in seeing that explored because um, you know, they're both interesting characters and that's fun to see interesting characters being romantic with each other. But whether or not it gets explored, they have this like beautiful, you know, found family bond with each other. That's just really, it's really lovely and it's really moving. Yeah. It's a great show. It is. Anyways, stick with us, stick with us after these credits and we'll talk about what's coming on next time. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind podcast network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on Comic Book Keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Kill La Kill episodes 13 through 15.
And in this episode, Ryuko is not going to be willing to put back on her clothes because she is in a feud with her clothes, and I totally get that. Mm, There is a pair of shoes that is at the corner of my bed, and we do not look each other in the eye, but they know what they did. Yeah. They know what they did. (laughs) 